everybody. It is Sunday, November 22nd, 4.26 and 45 seconds. Um, this is this is a therapy session. We're all going to get together here. Um, I got to tell you, I was in pain yesterday. I'm numb today. I'm sad today. I'm just like, I can't remember the last time I had fun on a Saturday. Um, it just complete gut punch complete completely embarrassing um and there's a there's a ton to talk about both from yesterday and bigger picture things so we're gonna go ahead and do that um this podcast as always is brought to you by main street pharmacy main street pharmacy is the best pharmacy in all the new river valley brought and headed up by lord jeremy counts jeremy counts treats you like a neighbor not like a number but one of the more fun segments that we do every week. Got to kick it off with a hokey haiku. Pat, what do we have for a hokey haiku? There were, dude, the mentions yesterday were brutal, both on my account, both on Sons of Saturday account. What what hokey haiku did we pick out of the uh, jar of piranhas from yesterday? We did get some good haikus. So shout out to everyone who jumped in and participated with their uh, poetry. I chose one from Travis Die. So here we go. More excited for the Radford basketball game than Clemson football. Travis, I uh, I completely completely agree with you. We we sat down with Coach Kevin Giltner earlier this afternoon. We're gonna how put great out, was that? We're gonna put out that episode midweek, right before the Radford game on Wednesday. Coach Kevin Giltner, one of the assistant coaches on the basketball team, he has me. So fired up. He got us all really juiced up. And uh, our guys are going to be ready to play. Um, so that is a that is a glimmer of hope in this horrid 2020. But I do know that we are here to talk about this football game. So we'll kick it off here. Where did we watch? Grayson, tell us where you watched this football game on Saturday. As per usual, I was down in sunny Santa Monica, California. It was actually nice. 72 degrees. Uh, was able to take the long sleeves off for the day. Uh, oh, good for good for you! Yeah. So glad you guys caught a break out there. <laughs> you know, your prayers are very much appreciated. It was uh, below sixty the other day, and we were, you know, hard times in LA. So, but it was it was a great crowd, especially right before the Thanksgiving holiday. All things considered, and it was nice. We all kind of had a, our own little group therapy session. Of dang, this isn't that great. So, uh, Bill, where'd you watch, man? Yeah. Um, yeah. I woke up in the morning, uh, drove down to Basking Ridge, uh, and watched with, uh, with the Finn family brought over a, a bottle of red, a bottle of white. And I walk in and I got to tell you, every time I go down there, Mrs. Finn, it's like her personal mission. She wakes up in the morning and she says, how can I make Billy Ray eat the most amount of carbs and calories possible. An incredible spread. We had the cheese, the charcuterie, lasagna, um, cookies, all that. Shout out to the Finn family. Fantastic time as always. It was a great time aside from the football game. I had a really good time. That's where I watched. Pat, I mean, that kind of answers the question, but where did you, where did you watch? <laughs> yeah, watched at home. Shout out to the Blackwoods. They came over. Shout out Theta and company. Big time Hokie family in New Jersey. And it was a uh, it was a fun gathering, a small gathering, obviously. That was uh, probably less than ten people, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a commiserating session. We were just upset. The timeline was blowing up. 
Bottom line, Virginia Tech was defeated 47-14 to at Pittsburgh yesterday, and it was, it was not pretty. The Hokies gave up 404 passing yards to Kenny Pickett. Pitt racked up 556 total yards, and DJ Turner, uh, one of their wideouts, 15 catches. 15 catches. He had like 12 at halftime. Yeah. Some wideouts get, you know, get excited if they get 15 catches in an entire year. DJ Turner had 15 on the afternoon and uh, it was just brutal. But, uh, you know, the, the story of the day early on offense couldn't get going. Defense was all about the bend don't break. And they had some very solid field goal kicking and it was a close game at halftime. And then the second half, uh, you know the train just completely flew off the tracks but we're going to get into it here we'll do uh you know what do we like what do we dislike and then unfortunately for the third week in a row we're going to have to do a we're going to have to do a where do we go from here session uh, a little kumbaya and then we got some letters from the lunch pail it's like happy death day have you seen that movie i mean it's like where's the where's the floor like seriously i it's like it's never it's a never it's a never arriving uh rock bottom i don't is is that the movie bill where like the girl continually wakes up and just dies? she knows she's gonna die yeah she knows yeah. every day she wakes up and she's she's gonna die that's and that's a very that's, very good analogy i very mean it, i gotta tell you like I, I can't remember the last time i felt like this um but, but, but pat like i was excited to see you i was excited to see my guy i was excited to partake in 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 eating food and hanging out but i legitimately all week was not looking forward to the game at all like typically fall, you know, football is supposed to be your highlight. It's your, it's, it's supposed to be the most fun part. It's you're talking about it all week. You're trash talking your, your employees who went to the other school on the slack. I just, man, it's just not, I am not having fun. I tweeted it. I tweeted it uh, yesterday. It was like, I'm not having fun or something. I just, it's, it hurts. It really is actually painful. Um, but as we, as we investigate and, uh, and, and run through the pain, we can kick this off by just going through things that we like. Um, I think the ad read might be longer than the actual content, but uh, what did we like is brought to you by the hub in Blacksburg. I love the hub. Again, I've said it on multiple occasions. If I were living in Blacksburg, which I don't, contrary to some people, some people's thinkings, um, I would live at the hub. It is absolutely beautiful state-of-the-art facility being built right now. Um, doing a fantastic job. They got two, they got three, they got four beautiful hot tubs, beautiful facilities. Um, it's state of the art. If you want the best, the hub is the best. We advertise with the best. We're associated with the hub. We love the hub. Please go check them out. Take a tour, go say hello. You get your free stickers. Um, look, a lot of great stuff going on over at the hub. Super excited about that. They give out iPhones. Giving out iPhones. What are you talking about? Yeah, look at the Instagram. They're giving out iPhones. Oh, uh, man. They're out Chick-fil-A gift cards. They are waving the – they're waving $200 off the application fees. Like, go follow them on Instagram. They have most of their deals on there. But mention that the Sun sent you. You're signing the lease. Don't forget. Please. Please. Jump on Um, in. Yeah, we love the hub. So, Pat, kick us off with um, – or don't kick us off. Give us a brief overview of what you liked about the offense yesterday. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so for me, just love seeing Trey Turner have a good game. And granted, he, he had three catches in the first half, uh, and that was it. First catch, 
the tip ball that was tipped at the line and Trey made the acrobatic diving catch for the first down. That was one of the first first downs we got all day in the uh, in the first half. And then uh, two incredible touchdown catches. One we finally do um, we finally go long and find Trey separated uh, for a long gain of 55 yards. And then uh, what really impressed me was his second touchdown catch where uh, it was a it was a challenging area of space and Trey went up for it and came down with it and kept us in the game. Um I know he he was he was on punt return duty as well. I was calling him Trey punt returner and uh caught quite a bit of flack from that. But um <laughs> I also know he got banged up in the second half so hope he is uh hope he's okay. But that was really really about it for me. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I will say we rolled out Hendon Hooker. Uh, that was cool. Um, when we rolled out Hendon Hooker, something really good happened. And that was that long Trey Turner touchdown that Pat just talked about. Uh, and I just think it's amazing that with a talented wide receiver like Trey Turner and a talented quarterback like Hendon Hooker, we don't do that more. Uh, I was waiting for that connection all year long, that long ball. Y'all should have seen me yesterday at O'Brien's. I was freaking out. I was making, causing a scene. Like there were little children with their dad, rode the bikes over to O'Brien's, and there's this 25-year-old man losing it because Trey Turner has caught a long ball from <laughs> Hooker. I um, I got to say, I mean, again, there, there's not, there wasn't much um, to love yesterday. But uh, I did like seeing Khalil Herbert back out there. Got involved in the screen game, handed him the ball a few times. Um, but that's about it. Tavion, um, Tavion, Tavion Robinson had some great catches as well uh, in the in the second quarter. Sure, <laughs> got to give credit where credits to, due. Shout out to Tavion Robinson. Um, moving right along to the defense. Defense. What did we like? That defense, the defense, we liked on the defense, how the defense was bend don't break in the first half. They kept us in the game where our offense was not able to bail us out. Uh, The first three scoring drives from Pittsburgh were all field goals, especially on that first drive. Pittsburgh got in inside of the five yard line and came away with just three points. Um, So that, that was nice to see them on the bend and break trail keeping it close at halftime and at the break. And obviously we know what happened after that. Um, but I think they did what they could in the first half, at least. It would also Very appear good. that, that Shamari Connor has gotten his swagger back. He was, did he lose it. I mean, I mean, he, they're in open space against Liberty. He was struggling a little bit, but he definitely uh, was playing pissed off yesterday and in the open space was blowing people up and making tackles. Uh, and was wrapping up. So shout out to Jamari Connor. I think he, all things considered, played a very good game yesterday. Uh, probably one of the better games uh, of this season. Bill, anything I, to add? I mean, not really. I mean, yeah, the defense, I, I got to say this. The defense was on the field for basically the entire first half of the game. Uh, Virginia Tech had the ball in the first quarter. Um, for five minutes and 59 seconds. And in the second quarter for six minutes and 23 seconds. And we have talked about 
you know, over the course of this year, <clears throat> how thin that unit is, especially at the defensive line position. Um, and the defense was continuously, continuously trotted out there after failed offensive possession or, or, or a, a, a just bonehead turnover. And we'll get to these in the negatives, but, uh, the defense was asked to do a ton. Um, and at some point you're going to run out of gas and that's exactly what happened in the third quarter. But I thought the defense played admirably. Um, obviously not good enough to win on either side of the ball, but you're asking the defense to do a ton. They tried to step up and, and yeah, we lost the game. So let's get into the bulk of our show, which will be the, um, the dislikes from yesterday. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll kick that off with the defense. Um, I can go ahead and, and, and start this one for the defense. Uh, I've talked so often about our knack. I hate to call it a knack, but our knack for allowing these really long drives that end in touchdowns. And they had three drives over, uh, I'm sorry, they had four drives over 75 yards that resulted in touchdowns. They had an eight-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. They had a four-play, 99-yard touchdown drive. And to me, this was the ball game. Uh, Pitt got the ball on the one-yard line. They committed a penalty on first down. We declined it. So you got second down and 10 from your own, like, one and a half. Um, and somehow, uh, they went down and, uh, and they scored it before the score. It was 14 to 26. Not great, but okay. Um, and, uh, four plays, 99 yards ball game. We did not score another point for the rest of the football game. And then, you know, to me, it looked like after that, we were just despondent. We were uninterested, but they had two more drives, a 13 play 79 yard drive and a 13 play 80 yard drive, both of which resulted in touchdowns. Um, just to add insult to injury again, uh, Pittsburgh had 556 yards versus Virginia tech, which is the most since 2018 versus just Virginia tech. And it is the fourth game of over 500 yards since the start of 2017. Again, this is against the Pittsburgh team. That stat is credit to uh, David Hale. So shout out to him, but um, I, I will tip my cap to Kenny Pickett who was phenomenal yesterday. Uh, you could argue this was his best game of the year. Uh, he did a great job getting the ball out early. Uh, we saw Tech blitz sometimes. We saw him stay back sometimes, but he was really effective all game. Really only had one bad play, which was the, um, which was the, I think he threw it back over the middle, which was an interception right after our interception uh, where the game was getting all weird. But um, yeah, shout out to Kenny Pickett. Gotta stop. Um these long drives are just, are just crushing. Um, field position is so important and we didn't take advantage of the few times that we were winning that battle and kept putting our defense on the field. Pat, what do you got for me? Um, so we made Kenny Pickett look like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I think Kenny Pickett and Kenny Pickett probably looked at the, uh, the Carolina tech game and said, I'm going to do what Sam Howell does. And it was dink and dunk the entire game. You saw DJ, DJ Turner was open the entirety of the game. I said earlier, he had 15 catches and I mean, you didn't see Kenny beat us long too many times, even though he threw the ball 52 times. I think Sam Howell threw it upwards of 45 times against us uh, earlier in the earlier in the year, but we were not able to, to adjust to their offensive game plan at all in the slightest. And, you know, Leaving, leaving Turner open. Turner got them chunk yardage on every single drive 
that they took the field and we just could not capitalize on on guarding him and tackling him. Um, and I know Grayson wants to touch on that a little more. So throughout this season, it, it, it took me a while. And, and I've one of my biggest gripes that I've had is our opponent's ability to march down the field uh, and march down the field very, very quickly. And I've, I've wondered why that is. And I noticed yesterday, especially with DJ Turner, it's the cushion that our, that our defensive secondary allows. Teams have picked us apart all season long because we give the receivers 10 yards of cushion. And I don't know if y'all know this or not, but every 10 yards you move is a first down. Also, wrapping up is and, and finishing plays is still a huge problem. I would say it's a bunch of ludicrous crap, actually. Seasoned veterans of the defense are missing tackles. Guys like Diablo and guys like Ashby. What, how and why? Like there was a play yesterday. It was very similar to the play that Diablo had against Liberty where Malik Willis was in open space and he just kind of runs right by Kenny Pickett. And we couldn't, you know, we would get back there, but we couldn't finish. We couldn't sack him. And it's just, it's so concerning. So concerning. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I guess from here, we move into uh, into the offense, what we dislike. Pat, if you want to kick us off, kick, kick us off there, please go ahead. So that was one of the worst first quarters of football on an offensive uh, performance that we've seen in a long time. 24-7 Scoop says, after the first quarter, Virginia Tech had just one first down and 27 yards of offense. Zero passes thrown on third down. So we line up, start the game. Pitt's got, you know, the top defensive line in the country. Everyone knows that Pittsburgh has a smothering defense and a great front seven. And we are just seeing running plays up the middle, running plays up the middle, and running plays up the middle. Hendon really doesn't start throwing the ball into the second quarter. And I remember they, they showed it on TV at some point at the end of the second quarter, maybe early third, he was, uh, he was eight for 11 for like 165 yards and two touchdowns. He had some great numbers for 11 passes. And it's like, why do we not let Hendon throw the ball out of the gate? We knew about this defense. We knew that their defensive line is, one of the biggest and fastest defensive lines in the country. Why are we running it up the gut? And we don't have Doug Nestor. We lost Christian Derrissaw very early in the game. So right there and then, we don't have our entire offensive line either. Yet the predictability was still just absolutely brutal. Take you to the second offensive drive of the game in the first quarter. It's a third and six. Every Hokie's favorite offensive uh down in distance, and we get the QB power. Three yards. Brings up fourth and three. We're in Pittsburgh territory. Say, all right, let's go for it. And what do we get? Another QB power. Gain of two. You don't get a fifth down. Turnover on downs. Um, and then later in the second quarter, Quincy Patterson comes out on a third and 26 just to get one yard. Yeah, It was like... I understand, uh, you know, you're, you're second and deep and then third and long. And it's just like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll run it out and we'll punt on this next play. 
But just running Quincy out there and just having him run into a brick wall multiple times. Every hooky fan gets a little excited when Quincy goes out there. because you're like, all right, you know, we, we love Quincy. He's so talented. We have a good line. But then you're just like, wait a second. This hasn't worked with Herbert yet. This is a great defensive line. Our offensive line is banged up. It's also third and 25. What, what are we doing? Um, everyone in the country knows that Quincy Patterson is running it straight up the middle. So that was a little concerning as well. But the thing that really, really, really ticked me off was the drive that Hendon hit James Mitchell. Uh, he underthrew him a little bit. James made an incredible adjustment to the ball, turned and ran for like 46 yards. And then two or three more plays, and we are first and goal from the four-yard line. And we get two running plays, a failed screen attempt, and then a run up the gut, and we are stopped on the goal line. Come away with no points, don't get in the end zone, and this was the turning point of the game where Pitt goes down and four plays, 99 yards later, they're in the end zone. But the predictability of our offense in the red zone was just so horrid, abhorrent, miserable, just brutal. And we've been seeing that all season long. And I'll I'll fall on the sword on this and say, I've been a little blind to that. I've been completely blind as far as play calling goes, but that was, that was far and away the worst play calling I've seen all year uh, yesterday from, from ROC. Yeah, I definitely. um, So I'll say this. I mean, I didn't have as much as a problem opening the game up, trying to establish the run um, just due to the fact that, I knew it was going to be, uh, they have a great defensive front. They have had some opt-outs. They do have a good defensive line. Um, but at the same standpoint, we have, we have a good offensive line. I would have loved, uh, I like to see us do that out of the bat, but you know, we'll talk about this a little later, the lack of like adjusting and doing something different when it, when it clearly is not, it is not working. Um, just was, was incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, if you just go ahead and you look at, what we were, what we did on offense. I mean, you score 14 points over the course of the entire ball game. You have 434 yards. How is how is that even how is that even possible from a situational football standpoint? Um, you look at the positions we put in our def- our, our defense in again. Um, time of possession shook out to be 24 minutes and two seconds versus 35 minutes and 58 seconds in the favor of the Pitt Panthers. Uh, even more telling, we only ran 68 plays yesterday. Uh, as opposed to Pittsburgh's 91. Uh, we had the ball for a total of five minutes in the third quarter. I know I spoke about the first and second quarter being around six minutes. Um, I mean, that's just pitiful. Like that's just, that's just, that's just unacceptable with the amount of weapons, the amount of uh, talent that we have on this team, you have to find a way to do better than that. Another play that was a huge issue was we had the fumble on the, uh, on the double reverse where I think Trey Turner, uh, Trey Turner fell down. Khalil still flipped him the ball. The play was broken. We should have just ate it. Um, uh, but you know, it's a three, nothing ball game. You have the ball at your own at, at Pitts 44 and are running a double reverse in the first quarter. thought that was interesting. Um, man, it was just, it was just consistently bad on a, on a, on a uh, 
play calling execution standpoint and an inconsistent game again from, from, from Hendon. Um, he had some errant throws again, didn't get a lot of great protection. Um, and, uh, you know, what was most disappointing to me, honestly, and I left, I left Pat's house probably midway or, or, uh, three fourths of the way through the fourth quarter, uh, third quarter, we were shut out in the second half. Um, you come out of the locker room down nine points, you're getting the football and you don't score another point. Um, and it's really hard for me to, to think that it's a maximum effort thing or, or what it is, but it's just, it's unacceptable, man, where the, where the team is. And, and, and regardless of what you're dealing with, you know, everybody's dealing with, with hardships and, and, and tough situations. Um, we just didn't show up in the second half and our team was put in really, really bad situations. And we got embarrassed by a subpar football team. Uh, when our team has been reeling for the entire month of November, we got embarrassed on television in Pittsburgh and um, just sucks. Stamp that wholeheartedly, Bill. It sucks, man. Uh, and to your point, uh, I too, I'm, I'm typically a guy who likes to watch the football game until there's three zeros left on the clock. Yesterday was the first time this season I left the game midway through the third quarter. Uh, so we share that in common. I, I, I couldn't watch it anymore. I could, I, I, I was done. I was completely over it. And I'll say this guys, if I had a dollar for every time we ran a QB draw on a third and long this season, I'd have enough money to buy a weekend getaway at Big Bear Lake. That's where I'd be spending Thanksgiving or where I could be spending Thanksgiving. Uh, and also in the spirit of Christmas being after Thanksgiving, running a draw, a QB draw on third and 26 made me want to grab my own Red Rider BB gun and shoot my own eyes out. <laughs> Call me Ralphie because I would lo- I wanted to shoot my eyes out after watching that. What uh, the hell? We had more yards per play than the Pittsburgh Panthers did, by the way, and we still lost the football game. So, you know, we talked about a lot. To, by a lot. So this offense, Coach Cornelson's offense, produces numbers and not victories. And for those reasons, I'm out. I'm done. I can't hold my tongue on this anymore. Y'all can think what you want, but I'm done with Coach Cornelson. Can't do it anymore. That his that the, the play calling is inexcusable, laughable, and it's I'm done. It's over. Get that man out of Blacksburg. I'll say it. It's time for a change there. Boo. I I need you. I need you to do me a favor. And I I get it, your homeboys, but he's gotta go. I'm done. I cannot do it anymore. The offense is too inconsistent. We run a three-page playbook. We do not utilize all of our weapons, and we are more predictable than the freaking weather. That's how I feel. I'm done. It's over. It is over. Rant, rant, done. We can move on now. I'm heated, y'all. I told y'all. Y'all saw this on the TL. I'm I'm done. I'm not holding my tongue st- anymore. I can see the steam coming off your head I, on the Zoom. I, 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 my face is beat red right now. Bill and Pat can <laughs> see it. I am heated. I mean, I care too much. All right. So new segment or not new segment, newer segment, newer sponsor. You guys know about Roots Blacksburg and you guys know about word of the day. 
brought to you by our friends at Roots Blacksburg. We went to Roots Blacksburg a few weeks ago. They got one in Charlottesville. They got one in Richmond. The Blacksburg Roots is brand new. It's on Prices Fork, and it is delicioso. Speaking of, deli- de- speaking of delicioso, have you tried the El Jefe? That one's really good. Mayweather, Pesto Caesar, you got the Southern. It's these unbelievable Mediterranean bowls that you can only get at Roots. You could use the promo code Sons of Sat. It'll get you 20% off of your bowl order. But remember, you have to order on the Roots app. Not in person. Can't go in and say, hey, Sons of Sat. No, you have to use the Roots app. So make sure you download the Roots app. Jump on there, check it out. It's a lot better than those other, you know, those other chains that you can get the Mediterranean or the Mexican bowls. Ooh, shots fired. Ooh, ooh. Hot <laughs> takes, hot takes on the pod. Check out Roots. You will not regret it. And you will thank me and thank all the sons. Word of the day. We got words, man. There's a lot of words. <laughs> I don't know if I can summarize it into one, but two words. That really stuck out to Hokies everywhere. Ludicrous crap. Um, so the post-game presser, most people have seen the video, or most people have seen a tweet, and Mike Barber asked Coach Fuente about considering calling the plays that we're heading now into the bye week and have Clemson next, you know, give him a couple weeks to adjust to calling plays. So essentially it's a it's a knock on Cornelson's play calling. And Fuente said, that's the most ludicrous crap I've ever heard. Next question. And, you know, reading it on Twitter, you're just like, okay, you know, a little emotional, whatever. A lot of people quote tweeting it, a lot of people talking about it. But then actually seeing the video and seeing the scowl and the expression and the tone and the body language, it was just that. I mean, that that is a that is a coach that is just just seems completely defeated and has completely lost hope and just doesn't have it anymore. And I mean, go ahead and look at it. Go ahead and look at it. You know, this is your CEO. This is your leader. This is the, the folk that, uh, or the person that, you know, a couple hundred people within the program are supposed to believe in and thousands of fans are supposed to invest in and, spend their money and their time and their energy and their resources on. And then just to see that it, it, it just hurts, man. It is extremely, extremely, uh, it's painful. While, uh, it's- while I agree with, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't like the answer at all. Um, but the body language thing, I mean, that's kind of been his, you, you, I'm asking you, I'm not telling you you're right or wrong. You think that he's quit. Like he's, he's checked out. I mean, the fact that we scored 14 points on Pittsburgh and zero points in the second half, and he's still no, going to go. Not what I, that's still that's not what I'm asking you. And he's still I'm going asking- to bat for his buddy Brad. And he's still going to go to bat for Brad. Like, come on. So you think he's checked? No, but what you said was you think he's checked out. Do you I think, think he's, he's checked defeated? out? Whether he's checked out or not, he looks defeated. Stamp. That's not. That's not what you want to convey to your fan base. Either way, I don't. Or your players. Or your players. It doesn't matter how he's feeling on the inside. The way he's conveying it on the outside is not good. It's not sending a good message. And that's what you have to do as a leader. Virginia Tech is a Power Five football program, and recruits see that, 
and players see that and fans see that. And how many people watch that press conference and say, I really believe in this guy. You know, yeah. I, I mean, we're going to get, we're going to get in, we're going to get into the, to the, to the coordinator and, and, and staff stuff later. Um, like, like I, I love Fu. I've always loved Fu. I think he's a great guy. I didn't like his press conference. And I agree with they, you there. To say ludicrous crap <laughs> after the ludicrous crap, the, the real ludicrous was what happened on those four downs inside the four yard line where we couldn't come away with any points. Not utilizing Raheem Blackshear correctly this entire season. That's ludicrous. And Coach Fu, if you're calling the plays, we're probably going to have a better, we, we would probably be in better shape if Fuente was calling the plays. And I just, I just don't understand why he's always going to bat for Cornelson. Yeah, that's his guy. And it's going <sighs> to stuff. We'll, we'll talk about the staff. We'll talk about the staff stuff coming up here, coming up here in a little bit. Um, Word of yeah, the day. There's no, there's no way around it that that's definitely his guy. Go ahead, Grayson. I was just going to say, you know, we're talking about staff. My word of the day is change. Uh, it's necessary. It's time. We will only continue to further dig this program into the ground if changes of some kind, not all kinds, I'm just saying, of some kind are not made on this staff. The fan base, y'all, in, in my from my perspective, it's at the point where it's completely apathetic and it's year five. This is not what any of us signed up for. And if you can honestly sit there and look in the mirror as a Hokie fan and tell yourself that you are okay with the current state of the Virginia Tech football program, you are not only lying to yourself, you're a coward because this is the bottom. This is the bottom of the barrel. This is rock bottom. In my lifetime, I've seen the peak and now I've seen the all-time low. And something has got to give and something has to change because if it doesn't, we will, I, I said it, we will dig it into the ground even more and you will completely, not kind of, you will completely lose the fans. And ooh, don't you dare come asking for money because you ain't gonna get it. If the fans check out, it's game over across the board. So don't even go there. Bill, word of the day. My word of the day is grit. Um, and I just ha- I haven't seen it at all in the month of November. Um, I won't say I haven't seen it at all because I think the guys fought against, uh, against Miami. Um, these next three to four weeks are going to be uh, are going to be tough. Um, I would anticipate there will be opt-outs. I'll anticipate there'll be other stuff that's going to be not so great. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've said this multiple weeks in a row coming off of losses. I'm interested to see how we respond from the top down, how we respond from an administration level down, how we respond from a coaching uh, accountability and um, scheme change or anything level down and interested to see what guys show up. Like when I think of, when I think of this season and I think of like, you know, coming down the stretch here and the guys that like, this just kills me for, it kills me to look back at how much progress we made between 2018 and 2019 and the strides that we made and 
the changes that we all bought into and, and, and thinking, Hey, this is a tough football team. Like this is a football team that's together. This is a football team that's competing. And here we are where, you know, I'm leaving a football game against a, a, another 500 football team in the third quarter because we're getting just completely blown off the field. Um, we play probably the best team in college football in two weeks. Um, from a competitive standpoint, I'm interested to see if we show up. I'm interested to see who's interested in playing the game. I'm interested to see who takes accountability over this bye week, who shows up. Um, it's supposed to be one of the catchphrases. It's it's uh, plastered on the walls. I know that we have dogs on this football team. I, I've, I've lifted, practiced, and shared the locker room with a bunch of these guys who I know are committed to it and I know who are tough and and, and really embrace the grind and, and try to be great, but you know, it's not good enough to have a few guys that do that. Um, and your entire team, your entire staff, your entire program needs to be on the same page there. And we are going to learn a lot about that here in the next few weeks. Moving on, where do we go from here? We're doing this again. Where do we go from here? Um, it's funny, this this segment has become, this has become a segment when it was supposed to be just, a, just an add-on to one of our other episodes, but here we are again. What does this loss mean? The whole drive home yesterday, I was like, this is Duke 2019. Like, this is as bad, blown out by a, a bad football team, man. A bad, bad football team. And it's demoralizing. It's embarrassing. It's everything in between. And here we are on Sunday talking about, yes, again, rock bottom. We had the article that went out. After the Liberty game, seems like it was just yesterday that that article was released. Um, Scribes did a great job with that. Uh, we have tweets where it's, this is the worst loss since X. This is the worst loss since this many points. This is the most yards given up since this. Um, and yes, I understand this season is tremendously challenging. It's tremendously challenging for every team in America. I understand this is a horrible year for the kids. And I said it last week, like my heart goes out to the kids, like all the guys that are seniors or the guys that are trying to adjust to being a college football player or doing anything. And even coach Giltner talked about how challenging it is for his, his team to try to get through it and not be a normal college student, but it's hard for everybody, man. Like it, it, it's, it is difficult for everybody. And the MO is to win football games. The MO is to show up and look prepared and look like you're competing. We did that against Miami. We didn't do that this past week. We lost to a subpar Liberty team. We had an inexplicable, inexplicable loss to a Wake Forest team. Um, and like I said before, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And Mike McDaniel, I got to say, I got to tip my cap to Mike McDaniel. He wrote an incredible article today uh, and hit on something that we haven't seen this season. Uh, and that's adjustments. Uh, we've had guys come in and out of the lineup. We've had guys with COVID. We've had guys get hurt. Um, we've had to make personnel adjustments, but we haven't made schematical adjustments. The easy, like, you know, shiny, shiny object. Oh, the easy one is Jerry kill. Everybody likes to point at Jerry kill and say, Jerry kill came here and poured some magic sauce all over the program and it became good. And that's, that's definitely a part of what happened, but so much changed last year from a schematical perspective, from switching to Hendon Hooker um, to the adjustments that we made on special teams. It was just, there were so many things that went into that turnaround in 2019 that really got us going. And we have not done any of that. 
Um, no, obviously we don't need to change the quarterback, but we just continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect to say this, a different result. And here we are, we're four and five, four, you know, how painful that is to say we are a four and five football team. Given all the challenges, I get it, man. I, I, I get it, but it is inexcusable. It is not up to the standard and something, something has to change both in the three remaining weeks of this season. If you want to have anything to look forward to, and going into next year, um, I don't get paid to make those decisions. I don't like commenting on who needs to go versus who needs to stay or whatever. Um, but absolutely unequivocally, something must change short term and long term. Um, and this is a scare. This is a really tumultuous and scary time for the future of Virginia Tech football, quite honestly. Yeah. We've seen this rock bottom thing boil up. Old Dominion, Duke, lost to Virginia, Wake Forest, Liberty. I mean, this Pittsburgh game was like Pittsburgh 2018 all over again. And they should have beaten us by probably two more touchdowns. We got lucky that we stopped them so many times early in the first half and they just, you know, put it through the uprights. I mean, this they could have scored 60 points on us. Um, I just hate where we are right now. I hate I hate how good we were last year as far as the turnaround went because it it, it it's as if it tricked us, you know? Uh we, we reel off a couple ACC games in a row. We win some home games. We win some close games and some really, really fun games as well. And Hooker played great. We sent Bud out on a high note at home. And, we, you know, 2020 was framing up to be the year. You know, we had these transfers who are really going to make a positive impact. And they have, and some of them definitely have. But, you know, seeing this 2019 turnaround really – kind of teed us up so nicely as a program to have this dynamite 2020 year. And that 2020 was finally going to silence everyone who, you know, had been doubting this program as far as, you know, guys leaving the program and the portal and even like everything coming out about COVID and just this, this regime being caught up in bad PR all the time, whether it was deserved or not, that's not the point. Winning cures everything, uh, and recruiting is something I just completely missed, but uh, winning cures everything, no matter no matter what else. Fans will not complain if their team is winning, no matter what is going on. And I bought in, and I will admit to being wrong to buying into that. I completely bought in. Were you wrong? I mean, I don't think it was a fluke. I mean, I think, I, I think that – I don't think that we just magically had a great – 2019 I think changes definitely were made and I and I, I don't think there was any reason not to buy in it's right. just here we are and situations have changed um not I mean, not for the better yeah like what what were the the biggest two things that we were really concerned about going into this year it was the secondary and it was the wide receiver depth right well I would say also just the ability and I was going to say this at the end of the podcast. This is this is not something that applies to the offense, in my opinion. 
Um, it was the defense implying, uh, applying a completely new defense. You don't have the time to get the guys to get the guys in there to adjust to it. Um, that, that was one of them, but at the end of the day, look like buying in after 20, 2019, I, I was in because I, I saw a team that competed. I saw a team that fought back. I saw a team that, you know, people like to call the Virginia loss at the end of 2019 embarrassing. That Virginia team had the best player on the field and they straight up beat us. We lost a Kentucky team who also had the best player on the field and our team competed for four quarters. We haven't seen it this year. Uh, we've seen flashes of greatness. We've seen flashes of what we thought we would see all year in 2020, but we've never put it together. We've seen games where the defense has shown up and the offense has not shown up. We've seen games where you uh, get punched in the mouth and you just don't pick yourself off the canvas. Um, and it's so contrary to what we saw in 2019. So I don't, I, I can't blame you for buying. I can't right. blame you or anybody for buying in. No. Yeah. And if, if I were to go back to January, 2020, I would still, I would still be on that plane. You know, we didn't we didn't know it was coming. And the things that were going to be our biggest shortcomings coming in, aside from adjusting to a new scheme defensively and adjusting to whatever this world that COVID was going to give us, wide receiver depth and secondary depth. Uh, you know, we knew that we did not have that much depth in the wide receiver room. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, with recruiting and guys leaving the program or guys transferring out. And then within the cornerbacks room and, and the safeties, it was, you know, more so, you know, opting out and transferring and, you know, some, some lawful troubles as well. But ultimately we saw that the lack of institutional recruiting that we had as a foundation ended up not being able to bail us out. Um, you know, we, we've been adding so many wide receivers every single year, but they haven't been able to stay in the program we threw the ball around the yard all year last year. You know, we didn't have much of a run game. And, you know, since we're so one-dimensional on offense this year, because we haven't been able to use our receivers, it has... How much are we missing Jaden Payute and, oh. and Hazleton and some of these other guys? Just because, just because of something small like Trey Turner being nicked up. Like, you just drastically miss the depth at that position. And it's just a microcosm of some of the other positions we see. Like offensive line, who was rolling at the beginning of the season. The offensive line was our strength. You lose... You lose Darisaw and you lose Nestor, and there's just not that ability to just plug somebody else in. Um, you saw it with James Mitchell last week and Khalil Herbert the week before. Yeah, yeah. So like, it, it just stinks because winning cures everything was really the thing that was going to bail out this program from from all the issues that it's had over the past couple of years. So we come into 2020, uh, you know, ready to have winning cure everything. And mainly recruiting was kind of like the top thing because recruiting is the thing that keeps the people talking in the off season. If you don't have a top 30 class, you know, you're underachieving, you're underperforming. Virginia Tech's never going to get back to where they were if they can't recruit. And if we win some games, we have a favorable schedule. We got a great roster coming back. We got a great team coming back. Uh, and then, and then COVID happens. And I've seen it said somewhere I've, or in a lot of places, I've also seen it disputed in a lot of places, but here's the take on COVID. You could think that everyone gets a pass on COVID in 2020, but really, you know, this is not, this is not a bye week. This is not a bye year. Everyone in America has dealt with COVID. If you're going to say COVID's a pass, tell that to Tom Allen at Indiana, who has 
completely revitalized and recharged his program. I don't think he's going to tell you COVID. I mean, every, every program has been limited by COVID, but he's not going to say that COVID's the reason that he lost to Ohio state on Saturday. You know, uh, the best staffs at the best run programs with the best culture have been able to figure out navigating 2020. Um, so four and five, recruiting's on the downhill. You got diehard fans like us three, not happy. You got casual fans not tuning into the games. They could really, you know, care less. You got students who are not interested or have zero reason to buy in at this point. And most students are probably under the impression that Virginia Tech is a basketball school anyway. You know, our, our football team claims grit, and hard, smart, tough as really part of that identity that has shaped it, you know, from the mid-90s up until the, the late 2010s. And there is, you know, nothing about this team's performance this year that I would think is, you know, hard, smart, tough, or grit. There really is no identity with Virginia Tech football. We thought we saw it after NC State and said, oh, we're gonna we're gonna ground and pound and play solid defense. And then, you know, you never know which team's going to show up walking off that bus on Saturday morning. And it, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just such, such a disaster. Um, that being said, Mike McDaniel, shout out to him. He wrote an awesome article. Go check it out. Billy already plugged Incredible. it, but there, the, in order for change to happen, it's going to start with coach Fuente making the change. He needs to zoom out, take a look at his staff, take a look at his personnel, take a look at his performance over the past few years and understand who is bringing value and who is not. And personally, you know, Grayson said it, but I think our offensive coordinator, you know, that that's the first, that's the first guy you got to have that tough conversation with. Um, and I, I don't know if coach who's going to do it, I know he's the loyalty is unmatched there, um, but go read Mike's article. He talks about Brian Kelly after 2016, where Notre Dame went four and eight, and Brian Kelly absolutely cleaned house. He had some extremely tough conversations with close friends, saying, "You are not going to bring Notre Dame football to the level that these fans and donors and uh, folks who matter need it to be at." And he brought on a completely new staff. Notre Dame is 41 and six since the end of that year. And they have the best win in the country this year. They're recruiting very well and they are winning football games. So I, I think, I think we start anywhere. We have to start there. Um, I, I'm not in a position to talk about if we, you know, overhaul the entire staff at this point, um, you know, maybe we could, get into that in letters from the lunch pail, but I just want to say one more thing. Um, it is interesting. You know, I, I've always been on the train. I've been on the, I've been pumping the tires of the, of the staff and the program and the players I've always have been. And it's, it's been interesting to see, you know, so, some people come out at us, the three of us and just be so excited to say, I told you so, or, you know, gotcha. Someone pulled up one of my tweets from last January. You know, what took you so long, Pat? Um, sure, go ahead and do that. I don't, I don't know why, why folks will get so riled up and excited about that. It is sad to see how 
how fall how far we've fallen uh, to see folks in our own fair uh, you know fan base at each other's throats like this. Can I add something to that? I just want to say, like, regardless of if I've always gotten on here, and Pat, I feel like you have too, and Grayson, I know you have. Uh, we all have gotten on here and have told our like our truth. Like, I've never gotten on here and like knowingly was advocating for something that I didn't believe was in the best interests of Virginia Tech. Pat, I know you wouldn't do that. And Grayson, I know you wouldn't do that. Now, we may all have different views on it. Um, fact of the matter is, like, I'm the first one to say, it. yes, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I, I, I have, and this isn't a slight, I have more experience with, with, with Coach Fuente than anybody that uh, is probably listening to this podcast and definitely anybody that works under the Sons of Saturday umbrella. I've spent more time with him. I've had more conversations with him. I, I, I love that guy. Like, I, I, I really do. And I, and I believe in him. Uh, he, do we do everything perfectly? No. Do, do changes need to be made? Absolutely. But, you know, when we come on here, I'm not coming on here and thinking of ways that I can, you know, try to throw you guys off the scent or try to throw you guys off of, off of what I believe. I just come on here and say, Hey, I watched the football game on Saturday. I looked at this, I looked at that. And here's how I feel about it. Pat, you've done the same thing. Grayson, you've done the same thing. We're not always going to be aligned. We're not always going to agree. And you listeners, you may not agree with it, all three of us, but at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of what this is all about. You know, we're not the source of truth. We're not any of that. I'm giving you my opinion as a former football player. Pat's giving you his, his opinion as a, as a salesman and a, and a lifelong Virginia Tech fan. And Grayson's doing the exact same thing as a third-generation Hokie. And I, I, I will never apologize for doing that. And I will never claim that all of my takes are correct. And none of our takes are all correct. You can look at our writing and see how some people have gone about that. Um, I've read articles that I thought were really good that I've disagreed with. I've read articles that you know hurt to read and I do agree with. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of this whole thing is having conflicting opinions and having conflicting thoughts. Um, so yeah. It wouldn't be interesting if we agreed all the time. It just wouldn't. Uh, and, and I think we come from so many unique perspectives. Bill's been in the locker room. I can't, I can't come on here and be mad at Bill who has a personal relationship with coach Fuente and say, Bill, you're out of line. I can't say that because I don't have that relationship with Coach Fuente. I don't. I I have the relationship with the program of a third-generation Hokie and a, a young man who has loved Virginia Tech and everything about it since I was in diapers. I'll put it this way. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I have no other allegiances. There is nothing else that I care about in this life and in this world more than my faith, my family, my good friends, and the Virginia Tech Hokies. That's literally all I got. Anyone who knows me and knows me well knows that. I have seen the high, the absolute peak of Virginia Tech football. I was very young, but I do remember it. Michael Vick and the perfect season. Pat, you've seen a lot of these games. You grew up a Hokie as well. The exact same boat. You saw the the Brian Randall years. You saw the Marcus Vick years. You saw the Tyrod Taylor years. And Bill, to you, man, I wish that when I, I wish that you had grown up a Hokie and 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 had been there and to really watch some of those teams. Because man, you would have loved it. It was so different than it is now. Obviously, there was the winning culture, the many years of ACC championship games, and the ten win seasons. But I got to say this. 
that was the main thing. It was the culture. Frank Beamer, Coach Frank Beamer, had those guys ready for war. We used to bully teams on offense and defense. I mean, we used to beat the shit out of teams. I'm going to say it. We used to beat the shit out of teams. We would come out and punch teams right in the mouth. Our defense was at its peak. Bud Foster in like the 05 through 08 years, just absolute pit bulls on the defense. Guys like Macho Harris, guys like Chris Ellis, Vince Hall, Xavier DB, Carlton Powell. Should I keep going? Cam and Orion Martin, like absolute freak defenses. And then our offensive troubles, you know, sure, we had some – mid-tier offensive lines, you you had guys like five-star recruits like Tyrod Taylor and then Ryan Williams and Darren. It was amassed by superior talent. So our, our defense made up for that. And our offense still clicked because we had playmakers like Jared Boykin and Justin Harper and Danny Cole, guys like that. So as long as we were winning, that's what mattered. And to see our perpetual fall from grace makes me feel a lot of things. Anger, because I know where we could and should be. Sadness, because I know what we once were. And fear, because I don't know how the hell we dig ourselves out of this rut. I don't know. But changes, and all three of us have said this today, all three of us, changes have to be made on the staff, in a from a cultural perspective, in the locker room. It's Something has got to give. So with that, guys, we'll move into Letters from the Lunch Pail, presented by our boy, John Cranham, Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Pat, I see you right now. Those teeth, man, they're looking ripe. They're shiny. They're glistening. I got to go down there over the holiday season. I got to go down to the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry and get mine done. I need that Hollywood white smile. So, JC, I I hope you're listening, man, because I, I got to come down your way. Go down there. Check them out. Uh, official smile sponsor of the Sons of Saturday. Uh, go check them out. We love John, Dr. John Cranham, Dr. Caitlin Cranham. Uh, so go check them out. First letter of the lunch pail, Bill. Yeah, so uh, Grayson, so the first question, Pat, I'll let you take this one because um, I'll give my thoughts on this on this question in, in a future question. But Pat, Joe Rogers says, so it appears that coaching changes are inevitable. Who is your next pick as head coach and why? So I feel like we're going to see some type of changes. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be the offensive coordinator. I don't know if we're getting a completely new staff. But that being said, we got to stimulate some conversation. We have to talk about it. You know, it it could be a slow news cycle. Uh, So let's let's throw some names into the fire here. Uh, Just a couple. And I'll preface this by saying, if we go for someone in the power five level, it's going to be a coordinator. And if we go for someone at who is a head coach, they're going to come from uh, the G five. You know, we, we do not have the financial backing to just go ahead and hire Dabo or Nick Saban or Jim Harbaugh or Mike Norvell or any of those other guys that I saw on Twitter. Um, some people on our fan base think we can go out and hire Jim Harbaugh. Um, or James Franklin. Will Healy, he is the head coach at Charlotte, the 49ers, hashtag club lit. Uh, he is a guy who brings a ton of energy. Uh, the TGs from Florida, Todd Grantham, Torian Gray, both defensive guys, uh, both Virginia Tech Hokie alumni. Those are a few. 
Tony Elliott, who is the current offensive coordinator at Clemson. Obviously, you know he's had a ton of success, as most offensive coordinators at Clemson do. Billy Napier from Louisiana. Shout out to my boy, Pat Rollo. I know he mentioned this last January. He was like, we should check out Billy Napier if if one goes to Baylor. Um, Those are just a few. In a head coach, I want, you know, after this five years, after these five years, I think Virginia Tech fans are going to want someone who can recruit well and who can win over the donor base and make Virginia Tech that family school and give that access that people want again. Um, Because, you know, those have definitely been the challenges as far as in in this current era, there have been recruiting blunders and the state of Virginia has gone by the wayside in recruiting. And also, you know, donors feel turned off and people feel turned off because of the lack of access into the program. So you got to get a a young guy, a sales guy, someone with energy that is going to want to come in and, you know, shake hands and kiss babies. Um, Bonus, because I didn't say this in the list, but I came on here a few weeks ago talking about Shane Beamer as a ridiculous idea and you know this is not a mom and pop shop and you know he has no experience at the power five level as, as a coordinator you know he wouldn't be able to get it done he'd come in be a disaster he'd tarnish the name of his his great father who is such a uh, a cornerstone of virginia tech football but then you think about it a little bit and you kind of talk yourself into it uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about it for like about the last week or so now. Like, hmm, that might not be the worst idea. But then yesterday happened. And after yesterday, it's like, I don't know. I don't know who we bring in, but it's got to be someone like a Shane who is extremely, uh, extremely good with people and, you know, can form those relationships. And if you bring in a guy like Shane, I don't know, pay him two, 2.5 million a year, give him the, uh, the availability to completely uh, bring in an awesome staff and pay his staff. I know that, you know, resources for the staff was a huge, uh, you know, a huge priority this year, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of turning the corner on my Shane Beamer take of a few weeks ago. And I apologize to some folks that I may have, you know, called them out for about Shane, but I'm actually I'm starting to come around. I'm a little delusional. I'm starting to come around on the Shane thing. But, uh, you know, that's kind of my uh, my long-winded short answer. I'm going to go ahead and push back right back on that right now. Um, first of all, I'll say this. I do think changes are necessary. Um, I think it's in Virginia Tech's best interest for Coach Fuente to make it work. Uh, and I'll give you reasons why. But uh, some pushback on the on the Shane Beamer thing. Look, if he comes here, I'm going to support him, and I hope he does a great job. I think Coach Coach Beamer's Coach Beamer Jr. is a great dude. Uh, I, I I'm a fan of him. However, you say like, oh, let's just pay him a little bit and then go hire offensive defensive awesome defensive coordinators. Offensive D 
awesome offensive and defensive coordinators are not just coming to Blacksburg because you're going to pay them a lot of money. You are convincing someone to come to a school that doesn't have the budget that some of these other schools have and work under someone who has never held a head coaching job at any level of football. It is not as simple as, hey, we'll get him as a discount and then he'll and then we'll be able to spend all the money on different on different great defensive coordinators and great offensive coordinators. I don't think it's that simple. Furthermore, uh, who says that he would want to come here on a discount? If Coach Beamer were, if if South Carolina says, you know what, screw it, we're going to take a chance, we're going to go with Shane, and then they offer him a lot more money. If I'm Coach Beamer, I'm not just coming here because it's Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech let me go when 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 my pops was out the door. Why am I coming back here for millions of dollars less and coming to a school where I have less funding and coming to a school where it's more difficult to win in Virginia Tech, where I am always going to be looked at as my father's son for the no matter what I do at Virginia Tech. You're not think think following a legend is difficult. Try following your father at the same exact school. So I'm out on that. Um, but if it does end up happening, I'll support him and I'll, and, and I have, and that's fine. Do you go ahead, Pat? Yeah. I just want to finish that point off by saying any coach that comes into this Virginia tech job is going to have to face the same challenges that coach Fuente and his staff have been facing the past five years. Uh, and Billy wants to get into this in his closing thoughts about where Virginia tech stands and how attractive it is compared to the rest of the ACC. Uh, so we'll get into that later, but it is not an easy place to come in and win, you know, in, in the, in this new era of recruiting in this new era of college football. No. And, and, and we'll get into that. And in then in, in the question after this one, I have to answer this one, Brian little, I like to repeat my question for last week, Brian, sorry, I missed it. Uh, I'd like to understand how likely it is that teams are stealing Virginia tech signs during the games and during the seasons, uh, the opposing defense seems to know our plays seemingly more than just reading tendencies. It's funny you ask that because uh, Shane <laughs> did get fined for stealing signs against the Wake Forest three to six or zero to three debacle. Um, just a funny coincidence. If they're stealing signs, I mean, hey, we should do a better job hiding our signs or changing our signs week to week. I don't think that's the case. Um, I think the program has a lot more bigger problems than teams potentially taking our signs. And if they were taking our signs, I wouldn't know. But um, I think that just kind of speaks to some of the predictability that we have shown over the last few games, weeks, months, and years. Um, So moving right along. So I'm going to combine these two questions. Um, Patrick Campbell, what is Billy's defense for uh, of Fuente after a four game losing streak in year five? The next question comes from James Copeland. At Billy Schmerda, that's my Twitter. You should follow it. I'm a good follow. Uh, would love to hear your honest defense of why Fu is still the man for the job. Appreciate your inside take. I appreciate you, James. Sure. Happy to answer this question. Uh, here are three facts. Fact one, again, like I said earlier, I know him, spend time with him. He's a fantastic guy. I have a great affinity for him. He's been nothing but good to me. I retweeted a tweet by uh, by Darius Redmond earlier that it's not always about only football. It's about taking guys' best interest, being honest with them. He's done that with me and countless of my other teammates speaking to guys on the team. Now they still love him and they still um, believe in him. And I do too. Uh, You can disagree with that. That's fine. Another fact, he's a fantastic X's and O's guy. He took TCU to the Rose Bowl as being the offensive coordinator and the guy calling the shots with that. He is fantastic with quarterbacks. 
He has multiple quarterbacks that are in the NFL. Um, he knows what he's doing. And another fact is he's done all of this with less resources. Um, and whether you like him or not, whether you're on there con of a buffoon, calm an idiot, photoshopping pictures of him onto the guy from um, Office Space, which was kind of funny. It's a funny movie. If you haven't seen Office Space, go watch it. Um, to gut this entire program and go hire someone. I've seen the name Luke Fickle thrown around. You're an idiot if you think Luke Fickle is coming to Virginia Tech. I've seen Todd Grantham thrown around. Urban Meyer, you're an idiot if you think they're coming to Virginia Tech. Um, it is in Virginia Tech's best interest right now, whether that's until 2022, 2023, or whenever, for him to work out. The recruiting is not good. Losing Sean Asbury is not the end of the plo- at the end of the universe, but the fact that it's another Virginia kid who is leaving the state of Virginia to play at another school is par for the course for the last five years. The recruiting has caused significant issues with the depth of this football team and the identity of this football team, which Chris Himes wrote about about a week ago, and it was really, really good. You should check that out about how the roster has gone from being Virginia heavy to not Virginia heavy from a money perspective and everything else, pressing the reset button, you cannot miss on this next hire. You cannot miss on this next hire. And the financial restrictions that we are under right now are real, whether it's the buyout or after the buyout, having to put together a a package to attract a good head coach to come here. And this is an honest conversation some of you really are not ready to have. Um, Most people listening to this podcast love Virginia Tech. Their, their affiliation with Virginia Tech is, yeah, we win, we won 10 games like it was going out of style. We used to recruit at a really high level in the 7-5-7. We used to compete on the national stage, finish in the top 10, top 15, maybe even the top 25 in a down year. Um, let's look at 2020 right now. Virginia Tech is not, in my opinion, is not in the top five of attractive jobs in the ACC. That's going to hurt some feelings. That's going to rub some people the wrong way. That's just a fact. If you want to just name schools right now in the ACC that are a more attractive job, period, hands down, not even debatable, you got to go Clemson, Florida State, Miami. Then you go Georgia Tech being in Atlanta with the resources that they're going to have and the name, image, and likeness that they're going to be able to take advantage of. They are a phenomenal place to be. You have Notre Dame. They're right in. They're not really in the ACC, whatever, still a more attractive job. Then you have Louisville. Louisville is pouring money, pouring money into their athletic department. You're in Louisville. You're in a city. You're close to an airport. And then you have North Carolina, another school that is getting money poured into, has a fantastic staff, and you have great institutional support. Um, And they're just crushing recruiting right now. You look at Virginia Tech, um, and you want to have like a really high-level conversation about it. National recruiting has completely changed the way some of these kids look at universities. You're located in Southwest Virginia. The closest big time airport that you are to in the grand scheme of things is Charlotte. You have to drive what, four hours to get there? Four hours, three and a half hours to get to an airport. How far is it, Pat? You would know better than I would know. It's two hours. Okay. Two two hours. Sure. Two hours and 30 minutes to get to Charlotte airport. Not ideal. You want to go to a mall. You want to go wherever you want to go have a good time, go to a city. You're driving to Roanoke. No, probably not. Roanoke is the closest city that you have. 
it is difficult to win on a national scale and also bring money in when there is no city surrounding that area. Again, Southwest Virginia, the money restrictions that we have and the issues and the recruiting and everything else, we have more varsity sports than a lot of the schools that we compete with. We have, quite frankly, we have mid-tier support from a donor level and mid-tier support from across multiple different levels. And it has gotten better. It, it has gotten better. But you look at a school like Clemson, where I believe they have 15 or 14 varsity sports that the athletic department is delegating funds into, whereas Virginia Tech has 22. And I, and you got to make that decision. I, li- I like seeing our women's basketball team do well. I like seeing our women's lacrosse doing well. We still have a, a, an interview with, with Coach Sung, and we, our, our men's basketball team has made tremendous strides. Our wrestling team is competing on a national level. But when you have overachieved for quite some time with funding that isn't up to par, that's the problem that you're going to have. I truthfully, truthfully believe a lot of this boils down to Coach Fuente and this staff are going to have to shake some things up. Whether you agree with that being the right thing or not, if you want to get people on board and you want people to believe and buy in, you're going to have to do something. If you just because you can, and I don't know what the situation is, but if you have the option to, you just roll into next year, things are exactly the same. People are not going to get jiggy with that. It's just not going to happen. So you are going to have to make some sort of change at some sort of level. And that's what's going to have to happen. It's going to be a tough next few weeks, fellas. Few weeks, fellas. I mean, guys can leave, guys can go to the league. Um, you know, we're going to learn a lot about this situation in the next few weeks. Thank God basketball is starting. Um, but look, again, Coach Fu's my guy. I think it's in Virginia Tech's best interest, whether you think he's a long-term answer, short-term answer, the in-between guy, whatever. From a financial perspective, he is the guy that you need to do well. But at the same standpoint, he needs to make changes. Um, and I really, really hope we do because, there's again, we all agree on this. There's nothing more that we want than this program to be great and to play in meaningful football games. Pat, we were talking about this the other week, the Notre Dame game versus Clemson. You watch that on TV and you're like, damn, like I just want, I just want that. Like, I just want to be in games that mean that much. And we haven't been in a, in a long time. So next question. Um, next question from the Richmond Hokie club, choose main reason for poor record and performance recruiting player development COVID-19. This is a long question. COVID-19 and lack of spring practice to install new defense, poor coaching or head coach, not a good fit. It's impossible to try to. That's yeah. You can't, you can't, yeah. You, you can't just choose one and say the reason. <laughs> it's, it's a everything. culmination. It's a culmination, it's a culmination of, all. of a lot of things. And I, and I've wanted to say this for a while. I mean, I'll say this. I think if you want to talk about what COVID has crippled the most, recruiting was a problem before COVID. So this is not a pass for that at all. But not having guys come on campus and see campus, meet the players, meet the coaches, sing Kumbaya, do whatever is crippling. Uh, the rich are going to get richer. We said that earlier in the year. We said that when Matei came on, the rich are going to get richer. And they have. They absolutely, absolutely have. And the defense, I've, I, I got to tell you, I feel for Coach Ham, man. I feel for Coach Ham. I feel for this defense. I feel for those assistants over on the defensive side of the ball. You're implementing a completely new scheme. Um, you know, Justice Reed doesn't really get to know that group. Um, you don't get a spring with him. On the offensive side, yeah, you don't get Raheem Blackshear. You don't get Khalil Herbert. 
Um, but the defense more specifically, you're making those huge changes and you have so many guys that have to fill in and come back and, and, and learn the defense or learn how to play new positions, Breon Murray and all these other guys. And it just hasn't, it just hasn't happened. Um, and you're not even able to evaluate, uh, coach ham, this defense or anything, not even on a week on, on a, on a, on a scale for the year, you can't even elevate it week to week because you have guys in and out. So, you know, my heart goes out to them, but that's kind of my thoughts. I mean, that's a loaded question. You know, you could do a whole podcast on, on that, on that stuff. Um, next question, JK shield, simple question, but is this just who we are as a program now? Could another coach really do any better here? Curious to hear what y'all think. Um, I'd love to hear y'all's opinion. I think you guys are a little bit more uh, equipped to answer this as to what is really possible at Virginia tech. Um, so I'll, I'll defer to you guys first, uh, Grayson, you can go ahead. I'll start here. And Pat, I think that you will agree with me here because I've heard you say it uh, on, on one of the previous episodes this year. <sighs> In Beamer's denouement, we were conditioned to be okay with six wins. Uh, and, and we got really, really comfortable with that really, really fast. And after Coach Beamer left, uh, Coach Fu came in and we won 10 games in his first season. And that was euphoric, to say the least. I mean, just absolute euphoria. Oh, my gosh, Virginia Tech is back to where they need to be. Following season, we win nine games. The following season after that, we are we we don't have a winning season. Kind of we regress. We totally regress. And all I can think is why why are we regressing? Maybe we still are that same program, that just kind of middle of the pack, mid tier ACC team. We're not we're not an ACC championship team, uh, and and we still are not. Uh, and now, and Bill Pat and I talked about this before we press record today. We we're middle of the pack and we have been. And, and, and I think in our minds, we want to kind of lie to ourselves and say, Oh, we are better than that, but we're not, we're not, we're not a good football team. Not this year. uh, Anyhow. And so right now we're in this weird predicament because we necessarily cannot afford to buy him out. So you think could a could another coach come here and do better? To be honest with you, I don't know. You could hope for that. You can hope for that all day long. So I'm at this impasse where I think, damn, do we spend the money to run foo out and then we're broke and we can't afford to pay the new coach or any of his assistants or do does coach foo clean house and we try and figure it out. But does that have a downward spiral effect that only makes things worse? So I think really either way you cut it, we're we're up shit's creek. I mean, we are we're in a bad spot. It's very very tough. Pat, do you have any thoughts? Any anything to add to that? I'm on the website for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. I'm on their football roster. Go ahead and look at their roster and see where their players come from. This is a top 10 team who is operating like a well-oiled machine. They have 80 players on their roster from the state of Ohio. Chris Himes wrote an article the other day that, that Billy mentioned earlier about the culture of the program and why those teams from the early 2000s succeeded so much. 
And a lot of it was attributed to the amount of Virginia talent on the roster. And very similar to the Cincinnati team, Virginia uh, occupied about 80% of our roster in 2005, which is the year that was specifically referenced in the article. Virginia Tech can be good and can be better than we are now. JK's question says, could another coach do any better? I think a lot of coaches out there could have us at a better mark than four and five. Uh, you know, if you look at Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech is better than four and five. We we have been on countless conversations about, you know, we're just looking for our guys. We're looking for the right guys in the program. We don't need to to put up the border around the state of Virginia. And then here we are and we're four and five and 2020 did not shut up anyone. And it, it, it's time to start looking back inside that state border. And I know it's gotten so much more challenging. Billy will say this. National recruiting is completely different than it was 15 years ago. You got folks from Virginia going all over the country. Um, and you got schools like ODU and Liberty and Virginia who are beating us and not making it easy, uh, you know, for if a guy wants to walk on at Virginia tech or get, you know, some scholarship money to play at ODU or Liberty, he might go to ODU or Liberty. And that's what's changed over the last 15 years. But I think a coach can win at Virginia tech. And one of those primary pillars that they can do to win at Virginia tech is lock down Virginia and lock down uh, some of these States that are more close to home. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it comes down to this, right? we are what we are right now and we're and we're four and five uh and changes are necessary got two more games maybe three to to figure something out but you know it's just uh not a not a lot of wiggle room right here gotta gotta find a way to do something else and i don't have all the right answers i do think that you know Mr. Babcock is one of the best in the country and I, and I'm I'm glad that he's running this athletic department. I'm interested to see how how we handle this moving forward. Um but I'm just I'm tired of being tired, man. <laughs> I'm just I'm tired of I'm I'm tired of being unhappy. I'm you know you know what I mean. Uh JK Shields, we already answered this one. Uh yeah, so like I said earlier, just some more context. Um you know, this just really we're competing at a mid-tier level with mid-tier funding and um, mid to lower tier recruiting at this point. That's just what it is. Um, I believe Coach Fonte is a good coach. I truthfully do. I think that we do need to make internal changes. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but again, you look at schools like Notre Dame and Clemson, they have really prioritized football. Notre Dame has 13 varsity sports. Clemson has 15. Virginia Tech is supporting 22. Um, and something that you guys need to realize too, if we, if we do this buyout, you will likely have to cut sports too. Um, that's another thing for you to keep in mind as well. If this buyout happens, you're likely cutting sports. That's what Um, I'm saying. It's like, you're damned. If you do, you're damned. If you don't. So, you know, these are difficult conversations that are going on and have to be, have to be ironed out by people a lot smarter than us and a lot smarter than the people are probably most outspoken on Twitter. Um, Sharky's the closing thoughts and shout outs. I have two. This is not an excuse. This is more of an opinion and a sucky sentiment. 
I just hate how this worked out. I really, really do. And that's why I got fired up when you said what you said earlier, Pat. Like, I was in. Um, and there was every reason for me to be in. The season was, we have underachieved and fallen straight in our face. Uh, we've watched Penn State suck. We've watched Michigan suck. And you can't help but remember those two teams were on our schedule at one point. Um, and I truthfully, I truthfully believe this. People will disagree with this, but I, I, I think that you two would agree. I'd love to know. Given a full spring, a full roster, and a full schedule, we love playing the what-if game. I have a really hard time believing that we're below 500, and it's the rock bottom of Virginia Tech football. This is a normal year. I have a really hard time believing that. And in a spirit world that doesn't exist and that's not, you know, this is not how decisions are made or how the die is cast. You have Penn state and Michigan on the schedule. I know Michigan canceled the game a couple of years ago, <clears throat> but would have been huge for recruiting to win those two football games. Um, and here we are and it's, it just sucks. And I guess the last one, Grayson, I know you'll, uh, you'll like this. You'll like this, uh, this um what's the word when somebody sentiment. like guest appears no no <laughs> yeah. not sentiment what is it when somebody uh like guest appears on a show cameo. Cameo. you'll like this cameo i'm just straight up not having a good time like <laughs> i am just i am just not having fun my saturdays are 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 not fun my weeks are not fun i gotta tell you pat we talked about this earlier just being completely honest i was not looking forward to to hopping on this zoom with you guys i really wasn't I, all week, like leaving your house, I'm like, I do not want to record this podcast at all. Um, and Coach Gildner was a ton of fun. You should, oh, Coach, Gil, uh, Coach, <laughs> I literally midway, little midway through on the dock, I wrote back, I'm like, I'm having fun. We're peaking right now. This is great. Um, but uh, it, it felt good to get on here and, and, and take a deep breath and kind of talk through it with you guys. You guys are my guys. I love talking about it. I love reading what our guys are putting out. And, but, yeah, I'm just straight up. My Saturdays are just not fun. The most fun thing I did yesterday was get on the Peloton for 45 minutes. First 45 minute class of my Peloton life. Let's go. So, uh, you know, hopped on the Peloton today again, too. That was the highlight of my day. But I just want to have fun again, man. I want to watch football. I want to be beating teams we should beat. Man, I just want to have fun. Where's the fun? I would say, you know, we're the sons of Saturday, but we are quite literally the sons of Saturday uh this week uh first off my first shout out uh i want to give a shout out to grace hecker and the relay for life uh squad over there beard picks incoming on the tl very soon uh pat's beard is the best out of all three of our our beards definitely the most full you know billy and i kind of got the kind of got the shaft on the uh on the genetics <laughs> you know i guess with the beard <laughs> but uh Shout out to the Relay for Life team. You know, what an incredible cause. Uh, Bill, Pat, and I have been growing out our beards all month, and it's I'm sure people see me on the street and think, oh, he's one of the, you know, just, I don't know, gross people in L.A. walking around. <laughs> he's an East Coast guy. Yeah, he's he's an East Coast guy. He he doesn't belong here. But, um, you know, love uh, love Relay for Life, love the, love the cause, always happy to support that. So uh, thank you to Grace Hecker. Uh, Second, we'll we'll kind of move into my closing thoughts. And y'all, you know, I I tend to add the vinegar to this podcast and can definitely be the negative one. Uh, so it would seem I call it being realistic. I always like to be realistic. I've been around Virginia Tech football enough to to keep it that way. So I'm gonna I'm gonna address the sons and the daughters real quick. I'm gonna say this: lower your expectations for the rest of the season. 
right this instant. Clemson is going to beat us like a drum. I honestly don't think Trevor Lawrence will see the field in the second half because they will have already scored 45 points. And that's just me being realistic. That's not pessimism. That's just straight-up facts. I still think Clemson, even with the loss to Notre Dame, is one of the best, if not the best, college football program in the country. And uh, also, our, our rivalry game, UVA, is absolutely positively not a cakewalk. They could very well go back-to-back, and I would not be the least bit surprised. And maybe that helps everyone see what the program has fallen to. The bowl streak would be over, and that would – I mean, we're, we're at rock bottom, but that would be – we lose to UVA back-to-back, that's it. I'm saying just don't, don't be surprised if both of those things happen. And let me say this also, don't be surprised when that transfer portal becomes a freaking block party. Kids are going to jump ship. It's going to happen. And there is absolutely nothing that you say or do that is going to change that. And so the sooner you realize that, the better off everyone else is. And honestly, put yourself in anyone who decides to leave shoes. Can you honestly blame them? I personally cannot. That's that's my closing thoughts for this week. That is where I stand you know what? Usually I look forward to Saturdays and watching Hokie football. Guys, straight up, I'm glad we have next week off. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Mom and dad, wish I could be home, but uh, I'm going up to San Francisco to, to hang out with my boy, Anthony Smith, good fraternity brother of mine, who uh, who went to Virginia Tech as well, class of 2018. So really excited to get up there. Pat, close us out, man. Yeah, Um I guess I just want to say that my heart really goes out to the players. Um, you know, to, to the guys who've been battling every single week and going out there, no matter what the fans say, no matter what the media is saying, uh, and just, you know, against the adversity of, of what's going on and just going out there and giving it their best. Um, you know, guys like Hewitt and divine Diablo and uh, guys on the line, um, it, it, Trey Turner, like it, it just hurts to see these guys who were, you know, so juiced up for the year, just be so disappointed. And, um, you know, you got, you got to give them a lot of credit, but it, it's just been so difficult. It's been difficult for everyone this year, but especially those guys, man, having to take like 30 plus COVID tests over the past few months and, you know, get told, a day before that you can't play or that you're not allowed to play because your contact trace or uh, even just seeing the letdown overall uh, over the course of the season has just been brutal. So shout out to the guys for, for getting out of bed every morning, man. It, it's gotta be tough. Um, and then other than that, I'm just excited for basketball. We got Radford on Wednesday at noon. Really excited to see, not only the guys shoot around, but also add, you know, an element of versatility to their game. I think we're going to play a lot better defense. I think we're going to rebound a lot better. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more offense down in the low post. Uh, so there are still things to get excited about as a Virginia Tech fan. Just might be on a different type of field or court. Uh, but that's it from us. We appreciate you tuning in. We we appreciate you listening this long. It has been a long one. And we will talk to you next episode.